Good morning and welcome to the Lakers Lowdown. I'm Anthony Irwin. Today on the show, we didn't get 24 full hours. Hell, I'm not even sure we got 12 full hours of enjoying the Lakers' best win of the season before we got more tomfoolery from this damn organization. I don't normally take you about this far behind the scenes into my personal life, but I was sitting there in bed this morning, Avery, I'm, I'm just kind of like, you know, trying to wake up after working till about 2.30 last night. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there in bed and I'm groggy. I'm looking at my phone with one eye open and at the very top of Twitter, the athletic fires off a tweet, report. Frank Vogel's uh, seat is still very much hot, even after beating the Utah Jazz. And, you know, you dive into the report at that point. Again, still with one eye open. And here's what uh, Bill Orem and Sam uh, Amick of The Athletic reported. By the time the Lakers and Jazz tipped off on Monday night, sources said Vogel was coaching for his job after he near, narrowly avoided, avoided uh, being fired in the wake of a 37-point loss in Denver 48 hours earlier. Had a scene like that repeated itself against the Jazz, many believed it would have been Vogel's last game. Vogel, who coached the Lakers to a championship in 2020 and whose contract runs through the 2022-2023 campaign, is being evaluated on a game-to-game -game basis and remains at risk of being fired soon if the progress doesn't continue, sources said. It's unclear how much Monday's win relieved the pressure that surrounds him. Mike, uh, Mark Stein chimed in as well with a tweet. Can add, I've heard the same as Bill Orem and Sam Amick. Frank Vogel's job is under serious threat. Ridiculous as it sounds to hold him accountable for an ill-fitting and aging roster. Anthony Davis's absence, etc. Uh, more on the Lakers to come for me at his Substack, which he, he has written a little bit more. And offered a little bit more context there. But at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, you are looking at, an, or looking at an organization that runs like this. Uh, this again from Amick and Orem's report earlier. Quote, the coaching staff has been well aware that it faced significant pressure for months. Sources say that was made clear to the staff early on this season by Kurt Rambis, the former Laker and current director of basketball affairs, who has become one of the most influential members of the organization since returning to the franchise in 2017. Well, clearly, Kurt Rambis has done so much over the course of his post-playing career that he has uh, earned that kind of influence over a franchise that succeeded a lot without him. But whatever, he's married to Linda. Linda is very close with Jeannie. And here we are. <sighs> Let's go over what we know right now. What we know is that, like uh, Sam and Bill wrote in their piece, and we have talked about basically all year, like, <laughs> what we know is that even despite winning a championship and, and surviving a season like they had last year where LeBron missed time and Anthony Davis missed time and they still made the playoffs— and honestly, to this point, it's kind of a miracle that despite LeBron missing time and Anthony Davis missing time and a pretty brutal offseason, the Lakers still find themselves squarely in playoff positioning. Despite all of that, Frank Vogel is not going to finish the season with the Lakers. Because 
if you are going to report or, or not report, but leak, uh, and, and by the way, we don't know when this information was leaked, how quickly it, it was relayed, if new information was presented after the fact, and, and whether uh, Bill and Sam had to tweak their reporting. But what we know right now is that the Lakers were ready to fire Frank and then the Lakers messed around and won a basketball game. I don't think anybody in the Lakers organization expected them to. And now the Lakers are kind of caught with, <laughs> with with their pants down, right? Because if you fire them after that game, then you look like idiots. And if you're saying you're evaluating a coach who has been here for multiple years on a game-by-game -game basis, and yet the game before being the win <laughs> that could potentially turn around the season, that win potentially not affecting his standing or how warm his seat currently is. Like if all of that is true, then you're just waiting to fire the guy. And, and look, I, I would disagree heavily with firing him. And by the way, I'm the same guy who kind of ripped Vogel for his performance last night, which is the most, it's just the most perfect and stupid an ironic thing that we're dealing with here that on on the morning after I ripped the guy, you get this report that the Lakers are getting ready to fire him anyway. And I find myself saying, hold on, what? <laughs> and it's because, by the way, he's not a perfect coach. It's because he has his flaws and is the Lakers' best available option right now. There are other options right now is David Fisdale. We saw how that went. Please, God, no. You have... Phil Handy, who, you know, might be kind of the popular choice here, uh, and and fine, you know, we'll see how that goes, but a first-year head coach given less than half the season to figure out this Lakers team, that's pretty close to punting on the season, and more on what I think this means, by the way, for the trade deadline, if they are getting ready to fire Frank, um, and then you could also, you know, go out and find a more experienced head coach out there. All the good ones are currently employed, but best of luck if you're going to try that. And by the way, if you're going to hire outside of the organization, somebody's going to come in and have to implement their system in, again, less than half a season. Sure, you have the All-Star break ahead of you, which, by the way, I, I don't think Frank makes it to the All-Star break. That's my guess, is that by the time either he makes it to the All-Star break and the Lakers decide to stick with him, or they choose to use that all-star break as a time to let whoever is new figure out whatever they can during that, that longer weekend that everybody will have. Um, even there, though, LeBron is going to be participating in the all-star break in Cleveland. So I'm not sure how much you're going to get done when your guy, the foundation of your culture here, is uh, <laughs> going to be participating in a in a very busy weekend so anyway I, I think here for where the Lakers are, are are currently standing and it's just such a perfect encapsulation of this Lakers organization and where it stands right now that right after the best win of the season and right after fans are still on a high because you know, some Lakers fans got to celebrate a playoff win with their Rams team and the win that the Lakers had last night the Lakers as a squad were just feeling, uh, looked just clearly elated at the way that they played. And right after that, hours after that, you get this shit. 
here's where, you know, the way that a workplace office just kind of operates just kind of sucks, right? Because look, we have charted, if you are a daily listener to the show, which there are plenty of you, you have listened to our, not just my, but across our entire podcast feed, the, the mistakes that we have been able to chart with this Lakers front office. They can, you know, they, they, they basically uh, turn Kyle Kuzma and KCP and Montrez Harrell into, and, and I believe a pick too, uh, for Russell Westbrook. Uh, that has not panned out last night, notwithstanding. You have uh, a, a front office that after that decided, you know what, we don't need on this roster? Wings. And so we've seen a, a team so desperate for wing play that an undrafted free agent in Austin Reeves and a Stanley Johnson who was, you know, playing for the the South Bay Lakers, just the fact that they are wing-ish sized, and Stanley Johnson clearly very much is a wing-sized player, but they're both, you know, not perfect players. They aren't they aren't the kind of player who would transform immediately any organization that they, that they walk on to. But because they do wing things, immediately the season starts to look better. And <laughs> and that same front office that, you know, 14, 15 months uh, ago won a, a championship, had all kinds of flexibility in terms of movable contracts and a few more picks that they could work with. Um, and and some financial flexibility as well. It, that the, the the front office that went from that to this, where they're just walking around like dictionary salesmen with the same old dictionary or encyclopedia set, going door to door with all these teams, saying, "What do you think about Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Dunn in a first round pick? What do you think about THT none in a first round pick? What do you think about THT none in a first round pick?" like a a a a war chest that has gone from what it was 15 months ago to this while by the way the lakers have gotten worse in each season if you're gonna empty the war chest you better be getting better except they didn't right they have been less successful since they had a more full war chest and the front office that has overseen all of that well palinka's not getting fired that's not happening, and he's certainly not going to resign. He's not going to fire himself. So his options, without just explicitly and tacitly acknowledging his own failures, is to say, no, this whole time the problem here has been Frank Vogel. When everybody watching knows for damn sure that Frank Vogel hasn't been the problem. Has he been enough of the solution? That's fair. I, there are, there are, there, it's, that's a fair conversation, but is he, has, is he the problem? No, clearly not. The problem here are the decision makers. It's Kurt Rambis. It's Frank, it's, it's, it's Rob Palinka. To the, in some cases it's LeBron and it's Anthony Davis, but those guys aren't going to fire themselves. And as it happens in the workplace all too often, Somebody is taking the blame for something they didn't have enough control over. As if that wasn't enough, 
the uh, the NBA and the Lakers provided a, a few other kind of kicks to the nether region for, for fans today. Uh, for one thing, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report offered up the latest reporting that he has, the latest intel that he has on the Jeremy Grant sweepstakes that are going to start heating up here with uh, a little less than a month before the uh, trade deadline. And per Fisher, the Lakers don't have nearly enough compared to the other teams and the other offers that the Detroit Pistons are getting for Grant uh, to be in on that conversation. So there goes one option, at least as of right now. Then right after that, Miles Turner, uh, it's reported, and the Pacers, I believe, also announced that he has a stress reaction in his foot that's going to keep him out at least two weeks, at, at which time they are going to reevaluate the situation. But as Adrian Wojnarowski reports, he's expected to miss time beyond the trade deadline. So I, you know, unless unless you really think the Lakers are really willing to take that kind of gamble on him, that takes him off the table as well. And look. A player of Miles Turner's caliber uh, is going to be somebody that I, I'm sure the Lakers are going to revisit if they don't, you know, look seriously at a trade right now. Um, the Pacers, it's not like the Pacers, because of this injury, are just going to say, okay, fine, we'll all lo- offload him for even less than we were looking at before. So, it, it, you know, for the Lakers, uh, they're probably going to have to revisit this in the offseason, which, again, fine, but when they get to the offseason, they might not have. Taylor Norton Tucker, right? Because, you know, Harrison Barnes is still potentially out there. Uh, Gary Trent Jr. is somebody that has been, it's been reported that the Lakers are interested in. Uh, and there are other, a few, uh, another couple names out there that are a little less reported on. But the Lakers are still looking to upgrade, but, you know, they, they don't have enough for Grant. And now Miles Turner is off of, off of the board. And that makes it that much more difficult for, <laughs> for the Lakers to try to figure all of this out. And again, you know, the the bigger picture thing here, my biggest takeaway here is, again, you know, it's like I finished the show with last night where I could understand why fans didn't want to let their guards down, you know, and, and, and call last night a turning point in the season. There's no such thing as a turning point in the season if at the end of the day, you have an inept organization. And we've been trying to beat around the bush and we've been trying to hold out some kind of judgment on on this organization. And look, they have been dealt, all of this can be true, they can have been dealt a very difficult hand because of COVID, because of quick turnarounds between these seasons, um, because of potential complacency on the part of somebody like Anthony Davis who won a championship and, you know, hasn't quite been in great shape since, uh, you know, whatever the situation might be, they might not have been dealt pocket aces at every step along the way. But, you know, while you have LeBron and Anthony Davis on your team, and by the way, a coach as good as Frank Vogel, uh, then you at least have some, like, suited face cards or high, you know, mid to high level pockets. Uh, if you're entering a hand with that, like you should still be able to make it work. And the Lakers haven't, they, it, they just flatly haven't. And, and I can't think of a better way to summarize what these last 15 months or so since the Lakers won a championship have been like, then man, here's this high last night sure was fun. 
maybe just maybe this is everybody figuring something out and then being immediately reminded that very next morning no no at the end of the day it's still the Rambi and it's still Rob Palinka making decisions. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown. Make sure you check out the Taco Tuesday guys. They're going to have a lot to talk about and more time to talk about uh, all of everything that went down today. Check that out on silverscreenroll.com. Harrison and Jacob uh, were working their asses off to try to keep up with all of the news and all of the context that they were able to add uh, to the various stories that dropped over the course of the day. And <laughs> I guess hang on tight because... God forbid we just go through 24 normal hours. Until tomorrow, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a good one.